When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. It's a grand old flag, it's a high-flying flag, it's the emblem. Live on SENSA, welcome to Red Legs Radio. Get great value at Palm and Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Redlegs Radio. Great to be with you. Thanks to Palmerbet. Get great value at Palmerbet. Great. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. And Climate Air Conditioning and Solar, South Australia's biggest Dakin dealer. This winter, come home to climate. We're in the final run home, Joseph, and we have a very, very special guest than none other than Mr. Neil Craig. Neil, welcome and congratulations on such a wonderful honour. I know it's a, a string of many that you've received, but um, for us last night to see you get up there was something very special. So congratulations, mate. No, thanks, James. And um, I'm certainly very appreciative, um, you know, of the club uh, and obviously, you know, the, the selection committee, if you like, of... Um, you know, of enabling me to, to join such a prestigious, you know, and, and a group over the history of the Nord Footy Club. Um, so, uh, you know, very, very honoured, very proud. And uh, as, I, as I mentioned last night, it just, um, you know, uh, just uh, I feel very connected to the Nord Football Club, you know, because I've been on a journey in terms of in footy with, with Nord, Sturt, North Adelaide, but... Uh, I feel like I really belong to the Nord Football Club, which is important for me as an individual to have that sense of belonging, and so and that's been created by what Norwood's given me. So uh, how lucky am I? You yeah. know, so well, it's, it was Neil, a fantastic night. Neil, it's it's a remarkable story in its own its own right. In that you were 13 years of age when you actually came over from the York Peninsula, and you mm. you, was, you were living with your brother, and you you moved into Carmel Court as as it was known. Um, there was a number of amazing uh, footballers that have that were produced from there, but that that must have been quite an eye opener in its own its own right to come in to an environment like that at uh, such a young age. Yeah, well, it was, a, it was a unique environment back in those days, James. You know, I think Nord would have been the only club uh, that had had that vision and the capacity to create the vision. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I left. Basically left home as a thirteen-year-old, which you know, when I when I now having kids myself, I mean, I would uh, I'd probably I'd be a bit hesitant allowing my thirteen-year-old to go uh, in, in away from home into that environment. But it was, uh, as I said last night, it was it was some of the best years of my life when I look back on it, um, because we had uh, I think it was you know always around about twenty-two um, re- recruits in that in Carmel Court, all with a passion and one <clears throat> and one desire to play. Um, you know, SNFAFL League Football for the Nord Footy Club. So it was. It, it basically became my family because I, uh, you know, having having uh, living in Adelaide as a 13-year-old, um, the next oldest I think was 17. Um, 
So there's a fair difference there. Uh, and so for a three or four year period, uh, Carmel Court became my family. Um, and Carmen, uh, Phil Carmen's mum, and uh, uh, Gil Butchard's mum became my, my mother's, if you like. And so uh, it was a, it was a great experience, you know, and and it just enabled me to uh, to a, to achieve my real desire and passion and, and dream of, of playing uh, SANFL league footy, which I which I had sort of made a decision as a ten year old that's that's what I wanted to do. And so once again, you know, that period of my life uh, has has a special memory, and has shaped and has shaped the way I think about things in life as well. So it's not just football we're talking about here, James. It's talk, you know, it's talking about how you develop your over the journey. So, well, well, be so how lucky once again? I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll continue to say, how lucky am I? Well, I was thinking, Neil, that there's there's so many areas that we could uh, jump into. We don't have the time, but um, and this is a bit self indulgent. But uh, as a 13 year old coming into Norwood Football Club myself, um, in a special squad, I had this incredible young coach. His name was Neil Craig, a young Neil Craig. Um, was that something that you and you? you I mean, you were young. You would have been. Um, you know, early twenties. So, yeah. and and obviously your prowess, your athletic prowess, was something to be quite uh, taken. I think you took it to enough another level in that age. But but did you always have a mindset that coaching was something you would ultimately want to do, even at that young age? Oh, probably not not at that age, James. Um, you know, but it sort of just happens naturally, I guess. Because uh, I remember even in uh, in grade. I think it was grade uh, grade six at primary school. I remember one one uh, one lunchtime, you know, you know when you have your kick end ends and that sort of thing, get, getting the guys organised to play a little mini game and have a little training session. So, you know, whether that. it's always been, yeah, <laughs> whether it's always been in the you know in the DNA in terms of the coaching, uh, I don't know, but um, you know, it's sort of uh, it all. It, I mean, along the way, I got involved with the junior squads as you as you've mentioned. But I guess it all really started when uh, when I got a call from Wally Miller, you know, when I after finished playing at North Adelaide, to uh, to ascertain my my interest in coaching the Northern Footy Club. Um, so you know, without that phone call, uh, a lot of things I've been able to go on and do in life wouldn't have happened. So it's amazing how it's all linked. Um, but that was uh, Wally, you know, and the Northern Football Club having enough confidence for a very young and inexperienced coach. To take over the, the huge responsibility of coaching the Norwood Footy Club, uh, you know, it was um, uh, took a lot of courage to do that. I would, uh, I, I'm sure, it took a lot of courage for the club to make that decision. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I, I certainly um, developed enormously along the journey of that you know, during my time at the Norwood Football Club as a coach. And, and hopefully, uh, we also put something back into it. So it was, it was a twofold thing. Well, you mentioned a legend of the club in Wally Miller, and um, and I mm. just, just want to quickly go back and reflect on that Carmel Court. I mean, it should never be un, um, I guess, unnoticed that Robert Odie too was a, a major player and, a, and quite an advanced thinker. It, it, it mm. always was Robert, um, and I know you had a great relationship with him, and you've developed some some wonderful relationships uh, with a number of people through the club. Yeah, um, well, so. You, I mean, it's, I mean, the vision of it, I think, may have may have stemmed from I don't know, I don't know the exact history of it, uh, James, but I think it was you know Bert Balderstone, Robert Odie, and Wally Miller would, yeah, would have right. been the key, I would have thought would have Amazing. been the key drivers behind all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
So, and you're you're right with Robert. I mean, I developed a very strong connection with Robert and and the Odie family. In actual fact, um, you know, with with Robert's dad Jack as well, um, and you know, who are both very strong Nord people. Uh, clearly, that the Odie family, um, you know, with their playing and coaching record at Nord, and and then and then Sturt. So, you know, the, the the way I think about football has been hugely influenced by the Odie family, hugely influenced. So. Once again, it's uh, it's the people that you you come across over the journey that that, that tend to have those influences, yeah. but yeah. Um, and and very proud to have done it as well, you know, um, because I, I I really enjoy the way they think about football. Just wonderful people. Just hey wonderful. Neil, um, mm. firstly, congratulations on your induction into the Hall of Fame. Um, what, a, what a fantastic Thanks, fantastic honour. Um, talk to us talk to us a little bit about what you're doing currently at the moment. Obviously, um, still with the Suns. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a bit of work with the Suns, uh, Joe, sort of like a consultancy work, but that's mainly with uh, working closely with Stuart Stuart Jew and yep. and the other assistant coaches, as well as their you know support staff, which is you know like your um, your high performance staff, your analysts and so forth. So um, it's not a huge role, um, you know. I, I mean, I sort of go up at any one time, probably for about a two week period. Yep. Um, and uh, and just spend time with the coaches. So I really I really enjoy that because that sort of keeps me keeps me involved in AFL football, which I've, I still really enjoy enormously. Um, I've just come back from England where I've uh, I do some work with the England national rugby team. Oh, fantastic! Who's coached by an Australian coach called Eddie Jones, uh, and once again that's working with with their coaches, working closely with Eddie, doing some work with their leadership group. Uh, and the other, other little thing is, is still a little bit of hands-on coaching, even though I know nothing about rugby. But they, they you know, when they they call it the high ball in rugby, so uh, they kick the ball high and 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 uh, be what we would call a high mark, just go for it. So I, I get the chance to actually coach hands-on some of the technical side of of high marking for for rugby players. So um, I really enjoy that program. It's very intense. Uh, it's nation versus nation. Um, you know, so it's England versus France versus Scotland, Ireland, South Africa, All Blacks, and whatever. So the intensity of that sport and at that level is is enormous, um, and it's been great personal professional development for me as well. So hey Neil, um, just a, yeah. just a quick one on on the rugby. How does me and James is the old? Obviously, James got a bit of Scottish in him and a bit of Italian, but I'm Italian mm-hmm. as well. But how do the Italians go so far in rugby? Mm-hmm. We're all right at soccer, we're well, anyway, up. Yeah, well. I'm sorry, Joe and James, to tell you this, but <laughs> everyone lines up to play the Italians, all right? Because, I can imagine. Uh, <laughs> even though there's, even though there's uh, you've got to be careful talking about a guaranteed win in high-performance sport. <laughs> Although, having said that, yeah. having said that, uh, to their absolute credit, this is how it happens, uh, Italy beat Wales um, uh, in the last big tournament that I've just been at. Um, so they've, Italy, up until that stage, lost 37 tests in a row. Oh. Uh, and and they but they beat Wales uh, just recently, so that was that was a huge uh, huge win for them. Um, and they're actually they're actually Italy are actually trying to get better organised, better coached because they do have some significant talent. So, um, uh, but they they are actually involved in the Six Nations. Neil, we could uh, seriously we could talk all day. Um, we didn't even touch on the seventy five and seventy eight premierships, and I, I just uh, you know as a young man growing up and. What, what that meant to the football club and you were very much uh, you know right in the depth of of that group and just just a just a quick you know sentiment on that that just must have been a beautiful era to be through 
Yeah, well, I mean, I was 75. I was very young. I mean, both, I remember the game because I, uh, I was roving back in those days with Greg Turbel. So uh, Turbs and I played in that in that final, and we were, I think, we were probably, uh, God, all the 19, 20 years of age, I guess. So, so we, we were very young players. But it was a significant uh, accumulation of a whole lot of work that the football club had done, right, you know, when they reset themselves at a football club, Carmel Court, recruiting, quality coaching, and, uh, to, you know, to get back to uh, the, the highest echelon in, in the competition. So to win that was, was a significant win um, for, for the football club. And, of course, 78 was a special game as well, James. I mean, just, just, just because of the game, you know, there was, uh, as I said last night, it was full of theatre, there was change in momentum, uh, action on and off the field, you know, and it, uh, it came right down to, you know, pretty much the last kick of the game with, with Gags and that, and that goalie kick. So that was, that was, uh, two very special wins, you know, for slightly different reasons. Um, so once again, it's just memories that the, the Northern Football Club have, uh, have given me and experiences that they've given me. So, you know, the award last night is, is recognition of, uh, you know, Tom, Merv, you know, James Gallagher and myself. Um, which is fantastic, but in reality, it's 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 what Norwood have given me. It's not what I've given Norwood. It's um, and it's uh, and it's uh, it's a very much an imbalance, mate. Oh well, it's been Neil, very much one way. It was so lovely to have you in the room last night in uh, amongst some uh, wonderful you know dignitaries and uh, great contributors to the Norwood Footy Club. Can't thank you enough for coming on Red Legs Radio. We uh, would love to get you on, uh, you know, through the year if if you've got some time and. Um, yep. But gee whiz, mate, I, I can't congratulate you enough. Thoroughly deserved, and uh, it's nice to be able to call you a Hall of Famer at the Norwood Football Club. Yeah, thank you, James, and thanks, Joe. Thanks, thanks Neil. Time. Congratulations. To on and uh, happy, happy to be on any time at all. Fantastic. Thanks, Neil. Well, okay, guys, good on you. It's a grand old flag, it's a high-flying flag, it's the emblem for me and for you. On SENSA, you're listening to Red Legs Radio for climate, air conditioning and solar. Proud sponsors of the Red Legs. Yeah, you're doing it thanks to Palmer Bet. Great. Get tackle busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and great value at Palmer Bet. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1800 858 858. And climate, air conditioning, and solar. South Australia's biggest Dakin dealer. This winter, come home to a climate. Marci- Joe Marciano, just out of the chair briefly. Dale Fleming. Well, a premiership player at the football club has joined us because we're taking the opportunity to catch up with, well, he's already a legend of our football club, but he became a Hall of Fame member of Australian football after the announcement on Tuesday night. His name is Michael Kingo-Taylor, and he's been good enough to join us now. Michael, welcome to Regulate Radio, and congratulations. Uh, Thanks, Ben, and thanks, uh, Dale. It was a magnificent achievement by myself. I just... You know, in, uh, just so humble to be put into the Australian Hall of Fame. It was just a wonderful night. Just take us through the night. Uh, I think you were the uh, the second last inductee from memory, so there was a bit of waiting around yep. for you. I mean, it must be just spine tingling to see the amount of legends in that room alongside of you. Yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, they give you fourteen people to take, and you know, I've got a lot of sisters, six of them, and so I could invite all those. Couple couldn't come. My sister came from England, which was wonderful. Uh, had a few friends there and uh, and my family. So from that point of view, it's just a big tick. And then you you go over to Melbourne and they look after you so well. And, uh, and then the build-up to the night, and I was told way back in March, so I had to keep it pretty quiet. Um, there's a there's a sort of silence there. So 
you can only tell X amount of people and uh, they don't want it to get out. And then, you you know, you get to the function and you see all these absolute legends there and a lot of them I know anyway and they're just great football people. And then as the build-up, and they, I just asked uh, the AFL what number are on the list. And they said number seven. I go, oh, you have to wait that long, do you? So, But it, it goes fairly quickly because you're involved in the whole night and uh, it's just a pleasure to be there. Legends that you sit comfortably amongst, I might just say, Kingo. Now, um, yeah. we've heard a lot of uh, media and coverage since you were inducted and uh, it's been fantastic and uplifting for the footy club. But take us a little bit behind the scenes. Uh, once you're, you're told you're inducted um, yeah. up to the night, uh, what don't we see? You know, is there... A, do you meet with the committee? Is there uh, other things that go on that maybe we don't know about just in the build-up and on the night? No, they um, they they contact me and then uh, the PA from, from the RFL and uh, Sally Patton, who's wonderful, she she kept in contact with me. Um, the it, it's it's user friendly how they do things, and and Sally's wonderful. She she just needs a gold medal. She's a gun. Um, she's so well at what she does and she's a very, very polite lady and very switched on. And, and from uh, Patrick Keane, of course, he, he's an ex, he loves Norwood, so he's involved. He did a story on me, which is wonderfully written. And you know, the other main two people I spoke to, and as, as the journey goes, and you make sure all the boxer ticks and it, people have got their airfares and their accommodation and, and uh, all that, and it's all go from there. So the build up's pretty massive because you've got three months to wait for it to happen. So you know, you get fairly excited as, as time goes on and uh, then you take a deep breath before you get on the stage. Kingo, there'll be a number of supporters who are listening into this and they're recalling their favourite Michael Taylor moment. It might be the the mark on the goal line at the late in the 78 grand final. It could be a whole myriad of things. What is your one enduring memory of playing for Norwood? Is there something, it might be something really quirky and unusual that sticks out specifically in your mind as what you really cherish most as a Norwood footballer? Well, I think I cherish, naturally, the premierships, but just the games, you know, the pre-seasons were were fantastic and very well run by all the coaches and their staff and just the professionalism of Norwood, uh, how professional they were in my time there and they were always there for you. Uh, when you got blokes like Wally Miller running the club, and uh, he was just magnificent. I, I think there's many, many, over the period of time, there's, there's many little snippets you could talk about, but I suppose you always talk about success, and I think we all want success privately and, 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 and in sport. And I think, you know, 75 was wonderful because they hadn't won one for 25 years. And you're just so grateful for the people before you that what they've set up for you, even though we did the job on the day, it goes back in history that, you know, for 25 years, Norwood have not won a grand final. And from that that, that on, I think all the years I played at Norwood, we'd never missed a final. So, and I think there's little snippets along the way, and but it's all a team effort. I think it's just not me. It's just, just everyone. You'd, and even, you know, when I was captain, you've got to lead by example and set a good example and, 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 and listen to players that have got problems and help them out and... And I, I, I love doing that completely and helping people. And, and you train hard, extremely hard, you know. So, and success will come. It just will. And you can just see it when you're in an organisation which is very well oiled. Um, you're going to have success. And that's all the good clubs have that. Yeah, and Kingo, I've heard you now interviewed a few times. And yesterday on Sports Day here on SEN, you talked about the yeah. significance of Carmel Court. 
and what that did yeah. off the field and the culture and the camaraderie and, you know, your first impressions yep. when you went in there and, you know, the other players who looked after you, Johnny Wynn, um, you know, yep. take yep. us back there. Take us back to that time coming down from the country, <laughs> coming to the Nord Football <laughs> Club um, at the very beginning of your career. Well, I think it's interesting because we're off, off a farm. So, yeah, in those days, we never came to Adelaide very often. We were very secluded from it. It's a six-hour trip because the freeway wasn't even built and it was a long way to come. So we, we virtually, you know, lived around that area. Sport was massive for us. And I think as a 15-year-old, to get an opportunity to come to Adelaide and mum and dad came down and met Wally Miller, of course, and, and from that point on, they could see it was a very stable club and Wally promised the club would look after me. And it was daunting for me as a 15-year-old. A, a boy at 15 is really 10 or 12. A girl at 15, she's 20 nearly. Like they're, they're a bit smarter than us, the girls. <laughs> so <laughs> the boys are a bit wacko. Like we just worry about now and don't worry about what's going to happen. So, um, And coming into Adelaide and going to Carmel Court was just magnificent because there was Mrs. Carmen there, Phil Carmen's mother, and she was from Eden Hope. And we knew the family a little bit. And mum was extremely pleased that uh, she was there and... And uh, and 16 boys, and and then that's where I met John Wynn, and he was the, the captain of the class there, and he controlled us, and um, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful setup. It's just like a block an academy living footy 24/7 at Carmel Court, and we we just all got on well together, and out of, out of that Carmel Court, Nord were blessed with so many good players, that, you know Neil Craig, Glenn Rosser, Ian Stavanowski, you know the list goes on and on, and of course Winnie just led us all, and. We all looked up to him and still do today. So through that period, I was extremely comfortable living in Adelaide at Carmel Court and very appreciative of what Norwood had done, did for me at that early part of my life because being a country boy, it was, it was pretty hard to get away from home. You, you, you know, being I was fairly shy and uh, from that point of view, uh, it, it helped me uh, individually as well, not only from a football point of view. Just to reflect for us on some of those really early days, Kingo. So you talked about uh, growing up in the southeast. I think it's Reedy Creek. I think is uh, that's right. The um, the that's little it. hamlet where you were, you grew up. You said <laughs> you six sisters. One of them coming from England just for the night, which is incredible. What was your childhood yes, like, and uh, and how did that, I guess, establish you as someone who was going to go on and play such a, a, an incredible role in in league footy? Yeah, see, it's unknown because I, I didn't take footy up and I, did, I didn't play at an early, early stage. My father's a farmer and a horse trainer, so, and a very good, he was, a, he was like a, he, he was an amateur jockey and he was very skillful of that. And it, one day he rode seven horses and won six races. So he, wow. he's a bit of a legend down, a bit of a legend down there through the horse. And I, as a kid, really used to go with him, you know, with the horse float and go there. And, and then I started picking up footy and, and that point I just fell in love with it. And then um, Reedy Creek had a junior team and um, I, I couldn't get a game because I was only nine or ten, I think, and I, I, I wasn't too happy not getting a game, but I wasn't ready for it. And then they folded and then I went to Kingston and started playing for their Colts um, about 11, I think. And by the age I was 13, um, I remember playing senior footy at, at, at Kingston. So um, I remember going to Apsley one day and I played the, the juniors and then... The seniors were short, and the coach asked me to play as a 13-year-old. And I, mate, I was packing it like, um, and uh, I didn't go anywhere near packs. I stayed out on the wing, and they kicked it out to me. But but I, but the, that was a big day because I went home, and it's about a two and a half hour trip home. And on the halfway back home, I got 
cramping both legs and because I'd already played, you know, played two games of footy and I got home very late. Mum said, where are you been? I said, I said well, oh, I played in the juniors and they picked me in the seniors and she wasn't happy, I'll I tell you. <laughs> she wasn't too happy at all. She wasn't happy with the footy club or me or anyone. So, And that's when I learned, I really, really learned about, you know, the love of football and the whole thing. It was just, just one. And the girls played netball, so it was a good combination and you know, we used to get out bed at five in the morning to play juniors. You know, we'd go to Eden Hope, which is, you know, three or four hours away. Mm. So, and the country involvement, they've kept the community together. And I've got very fond memories of, of all those days. And it was just magnificent time. Uh, you said your dad was a horse trainer. Was that, you know, you're very young, but were you ever considering that that was going to be maybe a career for you, whether it was a, a jockey or a trainer? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I never grew until I was about 11. So I was a, a little spider riding the horses. So um, I had a lot to do with the race horses. Um, he'd only have six or seven in work. He was a very successful horse trainer and very smart. Um, he loved his horses. And my grandfather, he was an equestrian rider. So um, we grew up through horses and on the farm with sheep and cattle and chooks and ducks and cows. And it was just just a, a beautiful spot to be. Mm. Do, you, do you still have links back there? Do you, any family at all back still in uh, the South Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, there are people at Kingston. They live in Kingston. So um, from, I still go home, and it's, that's just a great great spot. Road just down the road, which is mm. a great spot. So it's a, it's a good area to, to, to as a young kid to grow up. Beautiful. Now, Kingo, um, I actually put it out there online to one of our supporters group. I said, uh, we're going to have you on Red Legs Radio. And I offered them yep. the opportunity to ask a few questions. So I'm just going to ask you a few of the questions from the supporters who, you know, yep. to a T, every single supporter would be rapt about uh, this induction for you. And, uh, of course, you're much yep. loved. So we'll give them the opportunity to ask a question. Now, Roger Ellis, he wants to know how long uh, was your torp in the 1980 GF? <laughs> my what? My, to- my tor- torpedo. Oh, torpedo. <laughs> that was, yeah, I, I'm not too sure. I know it was about half back when I kicked it. I knew that. So... It just kept going, so I, I, I've never, we've never measured it. So I, I reckon it'd be just under ninety. I reckon you, you would have spoken to Malcolm Blight last night. Mm-hmm. I imagine you, it was just a little yeah. bit bigger than the one he kicked uh, at Princes Park against uh, Carlton. Yeah, the biggest one I've seen is Jeff Ferring at St Kilda. Oh yeah, uh, yeah he was. He, yeah, he was in the centre of the ground, and I remember standing next to him. He kicked it, and it uh, it, it went through the goals. <laughs> it was a massive kick, and and the, the, Noel Pettingill was for Norwood. He was the best kick I've ever seen. Like, mate, he could he could do a talk from back pocket to forward pocket. Like, he was just. Uh, I think he won the advertiser long kick about four or five years in a row. So he, he was he was, a, he was a wonderful kick. We're here yep. to talk about you, Kingo, not yeah. everyone else. Just you, mate. Now, uh, <laughs> Scotty Muller. He wants to know, um, while you were at Collingwood, there was quite a few Norwood players that made their way over. Uh, did you have yeah. a little bit to do with that? Oh, just a fraction. <laughs> I think Lee and I spoke a bit about that. Yeah. A few Stuart players too. So Tony Francis, Craig Kelly, yeah, and a few others. Yeah. Paul Patterson, a few more. So yeah. I just I said, Nord's got a great structure, mate. <laughs> There's a few because we what you do at your team, you look where where your holes are and where you can put people, and and uh, that's uh, exactly what we did. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I want to ask you about, um, and I know you've got a couple more from the supporters to come. You coached for five years at West Adelaide. Of course, had that preliminary yep. final. I think that was in. 1998. You played under some incredible coaches, Oti, Baum, Kale, yes. Hammond. 
but maybe except yeah. for Jeff Hammond, all of them were career coaches who stuck at it for a particularly long period of time. You did your five years. Did you ever think about maybe going on, maybe looking to move even another Sanford club, of course, like Norwood? Was that ever on your radar? Well, funny story, and I can tell this now. I've kept it to myself. I um, West is after me for two or three years. And um, anyway, at the end, I thought, well, it's nearly time for me, and there's a few other clubs, and I won't say who, but, but certainly Westies were the one. There's about three, three others, I think, when, you know, when I was at the Crows, and I just left it and left it. And then they had a fair dip at me uh, when, I left, when I actually uh, left the Crows. And I went and did an interview with them and the committee, and, and I verbally said, yes, I'll coach you. Well, bugger me, 24 hours later... Glenn Rosser rings me oh, and no. said, mate, um, look, he said, uh, we're looking for a coach. Um, he said that uh, we're happy to talk to you. Um, and I said, look, Glenn, I said, I, I can't. I, I, I just I, I just passionately love to do it. I just love to go back there and coach them. But I verbally told West Adelaide, I'm going there. And I'm, I'm, I stick to my word. I, I don't deviate one minute. And... Uh, that's how close I got to coaching Norwood. Unbelievable. That means you would have coached me, Kingo. Butterfly exactly. moment. What a, what, a, what, a hard job, what a hard job that would Although you're a full back, so you're fine. So when you go through the team, you don't worry about the back half, you worry about the front half. That's where you spend most of your time. Well, because that's, that's true. Because when, us backmen when you're back, just do the job. Well, yeah, when you're you backmen, they, 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 they just do a job. And you're a very good player. But they, the backmen just do their job. And that's why Tommy Hafer, I said, Tommy, what makes a good coach? He said, well, Michael... He said, Backman. He said, back. he said, never pick a forward as a coach. If you look back through history, yeah. and there is yeah. some forward coaches being successful, but most of the coaches, Bob Hammond, Kevin Sheedy, Tommy Hafey, Alistair Clarkson, so you go through them, even the modern-day coaches, most of those guys played in the back half. Yeah. So it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Well, it doesn't surprise me being an old Backman. We did have the brains. <laughs> Now, uh, King, really. I've just got a couple of quick last supporter questions for you. Yep. Uh, from Craig Fester, a uh, good mate, uh, a good supporter of our footy club. Uh, he'd like to hear your opinion, just, just changing the tune a little bit on the mod- modern game uh, compared to the free-flowing game of the, the 70s and 80s that you played in. Yeah, it's interesting he asked that question because the, the whole structure of footy's changed, hasn't it? Like when I first started playing, the drop kick was just finished. Um... The drop punt was number one. You still could torp the ball. Uh, the centre square just came in. Two umpires came in. Uh, there's still only two boundary umpires. So you just look at that situation. And then all of a sudden, the structures of zones came in. Um, if you look at the ruck setups, um, from, from you know, all the different setups come in. There was more coaches come in. Um, there's up at some clubs, you know, until the pandemic come, had you know five or six, seven or eight coaches. Um, the structures are completely different. Um, you know, the zone went from a 12 zone to a 16 to an 18 zone now from kickouts. Uh, if you notice, footy, modern footy these days, they let you have the first kick. Uh, you can play on from the square. It wouldn't be wonderful, uh, Flemo, kicking out from full back now. Where you, you know, we had that. Yeah, the, the square we couldn't go over it. Yeah, now we can go twenty metres over, mate. You'd be you'd be hitting the centre half forward the spot. The best part you know, about fantastic. that, Kingo, is that that means every kick out from full back becomes an actual stat. Well, that's great. Yeah, I remember guys. Oh, had four every, every game. 
I remember the old days, uh, the, the full back or whoever's kicking out of a bad day, do a little dribble on their foot to get, get a stat. Get so, yeah. yeah, exactly. And the whole thing's changed dramatically. I, I think the modern day footy is great to watch. I think it, this year is different again with the new rules they've brought in. I think there's more goals. If they say first to 100 wins, which is about right. Most times it does. Uh, and you've got to be entertaining. Uh, there for a while, it got down to six and seven goals a game. Now it's getting up to 15, mm. 16. We're always told to kick 15 or 16 goals a game. Yeah. Have your 25, yeah. 30 scoring shots. And it, it, the supporters love it. You know, yeah. just, mm. just love it. Yeah. But the, the, the players these days are full-time. Um, you know, most, most of them are, you know, are bigger and stronger and great skills and fantastic runners. Yeah, magnificent runners, you know, and their skills are incredible, you know, yeah. and, and their, yeah. their awareness, as you know, as a backman, Flemmer, you, you've got to be switched on all the time through a game, oh, you just have would. to be. The way they hit targets today would be tough down there. Yeah, yeah, it is, and, and under pressure, and, they, and the way they run, you know, yeah. the, the amount of the area they run, and, you know, they're doing up to 15, 16, 17k a game, which yeah, is massive, isn't it? Now, mm. I've got last one from me, Kingo, uh, very yeah. quickly. Your top three on the field, your top three off the field. Uh, well, number one on the field at Norwood. Yeah, just whoever you've played yeah. with or, or, or worked with. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, on the field's pretty easy. Um, Macca, Aishi, for sure. Uh, Macca's wonderful. Uh, Winnie's way up there with me. And there's heaps of other players. In the, off the field, uh, Macca, Macca, Macca. Uh, he wins the whole three. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think um, Greg Turbill, he was very good off the field. Uh, who else? Uh, that, that's about it, I think. You know, we're all good boys. Beautiful. <laughs> good boys. I've just got to wrap this up by asking you one more question about the name you've just mentioned, Gary McIntosh. You've been through the entire process of being yep. inducted into the Australian Football Hall of Fame. You know it, you've seen yep. it. You know where Mac is at and he's politely declined that offer, what would you say to yep. him now that you've been through it? Oh, I just think it's a wonderful night, Macca, and your family and your friends and uh, the football public would like you to do it. I just, you know, from a point of view, you're an ornament to the game, you're a wonderful person, wonderful player, and I just think you deserve, if anyone deserves to be in there, he does. I'm telling you, he, he's just an absolute ripper. And uh, I just think your family would be so so proud of you. And do it for your family, mate. Well, I'll tell you what, Gary McIntosh, I think you speak for everyone. We would love to see him accept that invite into the Hall of Fame. But, Michael Taylor, you are a Hall of Famer. You also have richly deserved uh, that accolade. We're very, very proud of you. Congratulations. Thanks for your time on Red Legs Radio. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Kingo. Michael Taylor, Well, pretty much every accolade you could uh, add at the Norwood Football Club. He adds to it now, a member of the Australian Football Hall of Fame. We are extremely proud of him. It's a grand old flag. It's a high-flying flag. It's the emblem for me and for you. On SENSA, you're listening to Red Legs Radio for climate, air conditioning and solar. Proud sponsors of the Red Legs. Yeah, you listen to Red Legs Radio with Ben Hook and Joe Marciano, and we're going to step back in time, not too far back in time, Joe, but uh, one of our finest young up-and-comers who, of course, was taken with pick five in the 2019 draft. He's now played 21 games for the Sydney Swans, and dare I say it, is just finding yep. a little bit of form at the elite level. His name is Dylan Stevens, and he joins us now. Dylan, welcome to Red Legs Radio. 
G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Great to have you uh, back at the the old stomping ground, uh, my man. I still remember uh, yeah, you streaming into uh, goals, just blasting past a couple of defenders and getting onto that left boot and kicking goals for us at Norwood. It's great to see you doing a little bit of that for the Swans now, my man. Yeah, it's been good. It's been a while. It's um, been a long time coming since I've made a feature on this radio. Uh, I've been waiting for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been nice to um, finally get back into the team over the last few weeks and find some form. And, um, so yeah, for me now, it's just about playing my best footy, playing my role and hopefully holding my spot. We, we have a bit of a rule here, Dylan. You know, we're, we're very, very appreciative of a Norwood player who goes on and become one of the all-time greats at AFL level. We're also very happy with someone who goes and tries their f- d- dangles their toe in the AFL and then comes back to the legs. Exactly right. Sadly, I reckon you're going to be Category 1, mate, uh, because it really looks like you're finding your feet and the team's finding the feet as well. Of course, a wonderful performance against the Bulldogs last weekend. Yeah, it was a really good performance. And... Um... Yeah, let's let's be. In the end, hopefully, it's um, it's a I guess not a dream of mine, but um, eventually I want to finish up when I do finish up, whenever that may be, playing AFL footy. I want to come back to Norwood. So, um, yeah, whenever that may be, um, we'll wait and see. But yeah, we obviously had a really good win, and um, the boys have done some really good footy. Hey, Dil, talk us through your journey. Obviously, you you got drafted in 2019, and then you you entered the Swans in you know, trying circumstances in what was a COVID year and you, you go straight into the hubs and um, talk about, you know, breaking into the team and how hard that was. And, you know, you get your opportunity against Richmond um, and then go on to play a couple of games in a row and then, um, you know, a bit in, in and out of the side a bit last year and then now starting to find your feet and hold your spot in a horse's team. Talk us through your journey so far. Yeah, it's been um, pretty up and down. Um, I mean, that first year we were at the greatest... Um, size, uh, that was also pretty frustrating not being able to play as much as I would have liked, but it was also really good to get that taste of AFL footy in, um, I think I played eight games my first year, um, which I was pretty happy about, but then, um, yeah, it, was, it came to the last year where we had a pretty different environment, like completely different, like different coaches um, who are underneath horse with Don Pike who came into the... Um, change, pretty much completely changed our game plan and um, our side massive turn and um, yeah we went from coming third last to um, finishing in in finals contention so um, yeah the team it was also a pretty tough team to crack into so um, yeah it has been a roller coaster but um, to come out on top and at the moment and um, be playing some pretty good footy and amongst a pretty good group of boys um, whether it's in the ones or twos I've been having a bloody good time because we've got a really good close, tight-knit group, um, especially our younger core from about 23 and under where um, there's a lot of us and we're all really close. So, Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've got a mate of mine who's a big Swan supporter, so we, we follow the Swans and I try to watch as many games because you're uh, in the team as well. But how, how have you enjoyed playing alongside, you know, guys like James Rowbottom and Chad Warner and, you know, Luke Parker and then you've got the experience of Buddy and, you know, Rampy down back. You know, those, those experienced heads around you, you've got a real core cool group of about, you know, five or six experienced players amongst some really good talent across the field. I mean, how, how have you enjoyed playing along those alongside those guys? Yeah, exactly. Like what you mentioned Chad, like I debuted with him in, um, in our first year. We debuted together and um, he's one of my best mates at the club. So to see him and the player he's turned into as of late, um, it's been pretty awesome to ride it with him. And um, yeah, like I said, like that 
young core group we've got. We're all really, really close. Um, and then, yeah, of it, we're all just um, to follow the lead of our leaders in ramps and Joey Kennedy, who's been injured for the last eight weeks, but he still had a massive impact on the team, pretty much as a midfield coach. And, um, yeah, same with Parks. They just lead the way. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's great people to look up to. We do want to touch on your time with the Norwood Football Club shortly, but uh, I tell you what, mate, you have got arguably match of the round against Fremantle over there in Perth on Saturday night. I've just had a look at your draw, and, I mean, you know, there's no such thing as an easily winnable game at AFL level, but you've got GWS, the Crows, and North Melbourne, and then shooing three weeks. I imagine Horse is placing all sorts of importance on you guys on trying to get a number against Fremantle this weekend, knowing that uh, if you can win that one, you can really set yourself up and maybe re-emerge as a top-four candidate. Yeah, absolutely. We're completely aware that this week's um, massive game for us. Um it's almost going to be a bit of a taste of finals footy, to be honest, with the pressure of both teams. Um, that's something that both teams try and bring as much as they can. And obviously in front of a... We'll, we'll probably probably be a pretty hostile crowd um, over there in WA. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a massive game. I just want to ask you about John Longmire. I mean, he strikes me as someone who... A lot of respect for him, but also I tell you what, you wouldn't want to upset his apple cart. If you got on the wrong side of him, I reckon it would be a pretty long week on the track with uh, Johnny Longmire <laughs> just uh, storming around the place. Absolutely. You don't want to get on the wrong, wrong end of Australia, that's for sure. You just try and do what you can to keep on his good side, that's for sure. But no, nah, he is a really good coach. And um, yeah, he's he really leads the way in terms of our culture. And um, yeah, he's, I've never seen a bloke more passionate about his footy and about the club. Hey, Dil, your role in particular, you've been playing a bit of wing football at the moment. Um, you know, when are we, when are we going to see Horse chuck you into the middle? And, you know, when I'm excited to get to see you, under, you know, get the ball under your arm, tuck it under out of a clearance and, and go on and kick one from 50. I mean, when's when's the time right to go in inside a little bit? And have you spoken about that with the coaches? It has been a while since I've done that, hasn't it, Joe? <laughs> I, think, I think back in my day at Norwood, for the last time I've been able to do that. But, um, yeah, I've kind of just been stuck out in the in the pie stand holding my lane and I'm playing the wing but yeah um, I don't know I, I think I I have put on I think nearly 10 to 12 kilos since I got drafted and um, yeah I, I do want to play inside eventually but I think at the moment just with the midfields we've got in there and um, a lot of big bodies I, I think there's only room for me really on the wing so um, yeah hopefully in the next few years I can no, nah, that's nonsense, Dylan. You're straight. I can go straight into the middle there. Yeah, um, that Luke Parker, what does he know? Yeah, just clear him nah, out. Just tell him to go and sit on the bench for a while and just watch how a young South Australian does it. <laughs> I was going to say, right. I was going to say, Dill, and your old man, he's a big Norwood, Norwood supporter, Robert Stevens. Um, is he still following the legs uh, religiously these days? I do believe him and my mum are still members. Oh, good. Uh, there we go. And they went to a game a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, and Joy Larkin, um, his old man, uh, with my dad and his old man played footy together. Played footy together. Wow. So, um, oh, there you go. I think, yeah, dad and um, him went and watched Joy playing the Reds a few weeks back. Yeah. Um, against Westies. And yeah, um, dad loves it. He always he loves his footy, whether it's seeing for life. So yeah, he still loves the legs. And I'm actually yet to come out and watch a game since I was drafted. Oh, come on, been, Dill. I actually, I've, I've, I've always like. I had a chance to against Port. I wasn't picked. Um, and I was like, they're just not letting me do it. Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you keep an eye on uh, the way the boys are travelling? I know the world of the AFL can be all-consuming, but uh, do you keep an eye on results and 
just a bit of a, an understanding of how the lads are travelling? Absolutely, I do. Uh, I, I, the Norwood team, I have a massive, like, such fond memories there, and um, I've still got a lot of good mates, and even to see, like, Henry Nelligan, for example, he obviously didn't play when I was playing league, but, um, yeah, to see him do it a couple of years after, and, um, yeah, it's been, I always keep a track on him, and then to see Jack Kennelly, who also played a lot of junior footy with, um, to come from Geelong and then play there as well. Like, I keep a lot of tabs on, um, yeah, boys, so... Dylan, just take us a, a bit through how it works um, at the Swans. If you don't get a game in the AFL side, I know there's the, the New South Wales competition over there, but we've seen a couple of changes. I, I guess we're maybe heading towards an AFL reserves competition, but just to dis- describe what the standard of footy is like if you don't get a game in the AFL team. Uh, yeah, look, it's a very different. Um, and I... And Sample and the VFL competition we're playing at the moment is also very different. It's hard to compare. Um, I think the the difference in levels difference in levels is massive, to be honest. Um, and not only that, but like I think like the the culture of like the crowd and the supporters makes a big difference. And that's what I think I miss most about the Sample, which is you know mm. playing in front of the Nord crowds mm. and um, just yeah, I think Sample has that probably a bit better community in terms of who you play in front of and. Um, how passionate supporters are, but it is that like, the VFL is a very still a very good season of footy. You, you find that you were all a bit younger, especially when you're playing um, AFL reserves, the AFL reserves. It's like a lot of young players rather than playing against bigger bodies in the sample. Do you know what I mean? Um, I was going to say, yeah, fantastic. Hey, just just another one, deal. Your first goal. Take us back to. I remember. I remember watching it. it was it was at the Gabba, right? I reckon you got <laughs> pole drive. By Braden Sire, and you've you've managed to get this foot on the ball. I reckon it's travelled at least forty five meters, and you've kicked your first. I mean, talk us through that moment. Yeah, that was pretty surreal. Was a while back now, but um, I can hardly kick the ball forty five meters as a drop punt, <laughs> let alone slap it around my body. So I think when he poleaxed me, it made me kick it a bit. The next year, ten or fifteen. Yeah, I, I couldn't really believe it went through. I, I didn't even see it go through. I just saw the boys start celebrating around me because I had people all in front of me and I was like, bloody hell, I couldn't believe it happened. But um, yeah, it was not a bad first goal. I was yeah. pretty happy with it, to be honest. You're listening to Redlegs Radio. Our special guest is Dylan Stevens, the former Redlegs player, now with the Sydney Swans. I just want you to reflect back on your career at the Legs, uh, Steve-O, and just describe the one special moment that you can reflect on, the one that sort of stands out in your mind, and you're talking about love to come back and play footy for the club one day, and the club would love that even more than you would love it, <laughs> I can assure you. But uh, just with, with what you achieved with the football club, drafted at the end of 2019, what's the one sort of standout memory for you? Uh, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to nail down a few. Obviously, I, I played... Um, in the reserves grand final, so I, the league got dropped out. We played a semi-final against the Crows, and um, the week later, I was lucky enough to go go down and play in the Resi's Granny, which was pretty awesome. Um, but then I think also the Sturt Elimination Final was probably a pretty awesome day. Mm. Um, I think it was pretty close all day, and yeah. then right at the end, um, we had a goal, and I was lucky enough to kick one of the goals. Um, didn't you kick yeah, an absolute I scorcher? I think yeah. he's burnt Henry Carey. That I, plays for Sturt. My, yeah, my, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right. he's absolutely yeah. taking with the cleaners, the poor bloke. My <laughs> vague recollection is that uh, the Eddie Betts pocket became the Dylan Stevens pocket for a period of time underneath the scoreboard there. 
yeah. And back then, I was obviously the biggest crowd I'd played in front of. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty awesome experience that day. But probably that one. Oh, the reserves granny probably takes the cake. Reserves granny over and above kicking a goal in elimination final in front of 10,000 oh, yeah. uh, on Adelaide Oval. Hey, Dylan, I just want to ask you about, and I guess this relates probably as much uh, as anything as what's going on with the Adelaide Football Club back here. What sort of a challenge is it to be taken as a top 10 draftee? Is is there an inordinate amount of pressure on someone like you? I mean, we've seen Chase Jones, Fisher Mackesy. I mean, they're, they're exceptional footballers. And given that everyone sort of finds their feet in their own time, but you know, there's been a lot of criticism about the Crows for taking Mackesy and I guess also taking Chase Jones. I, mean, I don't know if you have the same level of scrutiny up there at Sydney, but... Is there is there something about being a top ten draftee and and the, the just that inordinate amount of pressure on you? Uh, to be honest, not really. Like um, I guess it's probably a bit different over in LA where um, footy's be all and end all for everyone, whereas in New South Wales it's a bit different. So I guess for me, I get out of the limelight a bit more. But I think there is initially that bit of pressure, especially in your first year. But after that, everyone kind of forgets, I reckon. So um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's different. It's something I don't really think about anymore, but I think in my first year, it was always something that was on my mind. Hey, Dil, just talk us through lastly, just talk us through now, so obviously, get off the track um, after a main training session today, and then talk us through, you know, the lead up to, to Saturday's game, and, and what, it, you know, what it entails heading into a big game against Frio in Perth. Yeah, so, um, yeah, obviously we train today, and, and then um, tomorrow's just pretty cruisy captain's, captain's run. We'll probably do that over in Perth, so We'll fly over, um, obviously it's a pretty long flight, and then straight to Optus and have a run around. Um, and then, yeah, from there on in, it's just, yeah, it's pretty cruisy. Um, we've already spoken, we already had our like, pre-game team meeting about how we want to play against Frio um, this morning. So, um, yeah, it's all pretty straightforward from there. And to be honest, it's not much different to um, like you prepare for a sample game. Well, I'll tell you what, Dylan... Um, if you prepare for a Sandful game uh, the way you prepare for an AFL game and the way you were playing some Sandful footy for us was very exciting back in the day. Hey, thank you so much for your time here on Red Legs Radio. We're going to be watching with interest you Can't on wait. Saturday night. What's a cracking game against the Fremantle Dockers. Keep it up, young man. We're uh, we're very excited for your career, but I tell you what, the lead out of all of this will be Dylan Stevens making his long-awaited return to the Norwood Football Club in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> we, uh, we're very excited about that as well. And, Dil, another thing was make sure we tuck that ball under the arm and we give it a good chance. Give it, give it a good ride this for, uh, this Saturday night. Yeah, but blow, blow team <laughs> rules out, yeah, mate. Just... You. Just take it and run. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll burn whoever's in, in, anywhere near me. I'll just give it a crack. Dylan, Dylan thanks for your time on Red Legs Radio. Thanks, mate. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, I'll see you guys soon. It's a grand old flag. It's a high-flying flag. It's the emblem for me and for you. On SENSA, you're listening to Red Legs Radio for climate, air conditioning and solar. Proud sponsors of the Red Legs. Welcome back to Red Legs Radio. Rob Harding in the chair with you tonight, along with Joe Marciano. And we're here thanks to Palmerbet. Get tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and great value at Palmerbet. Make sure you gamble responsibly. And for gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. And climate, air conditioning, and solar, South Australia's biggest Dakin dealer. This winter, come home to climate. As we said earlier, Joe, we need it right now. We need some heat. Yeah, exactly That's for right. sure. Exactly. Someone who bought the heat on Friday night last week was... Matt Panos, who has been good enough to join us tonight. Matt, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was a fantastic night, obviously, last Friday night, and you were a central part of it. There's a lot to discuss about, a lot of questions to ask. But firstly, for you, Matt, uh, where does that win rank in terms of your career, your storied career at this footy club? Oh, it, yeah, probably, I don't think anything will beat 2014 grand final. Um, obviously, being a grand final, beating Port by under a goal. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, this would, yeah, it probably has to be number one or, yeah, number two out of out of all the games I've played and watched. Um, yeah, it's been a long journey to come back, playing the top team at home on a Friday night. And um, I think the ending was incredible and something that, you know, I haven't really been a part of kicking three goals. I don't know what how long was left in the last three or four minutes in red time um, to beat the Crows. And obviously, um, kicking the winning goal at the end of the game was incredible and something... I'll never forget, probably won't ever happen again. But um, I think just because I've been out for so long and how um, coaching staff, boys on the field got around me and, um, you know, even the crowd after was um, insane and something I'm very grateful for. Um, so, yeah, I'd say outside the grand final, that's number one. Nos, talk us through the emotion of that last play. You mark the ball uh, from Jay Rantel. You then see the Crows defenders run off the mark essentially to get back. You've got the tired legs to have the composure to go back from 45 to win it. Just talk us through that last, just that last play in general. Um, well, Sam Morris did a very good job um, of keeping the ball in. I think the ball was just yeah. going to stay on the line and, and hit Jay. And I was, I was going to lead up. There was a bit of space. And then um, the fresh legs of Corey Stockdale, he, uh, he led into the space and <laughs> I was, I was pretty fatigued um, first game back. So, I thought Jay might hit me, but then in that moment, you know, a lot of plays would probably go long, um, which is definitely understandable. So, yeah, he hit me, which I was a bit surprised, and I thought, don't know how long's left, get it on quick. Um, yeah, played on thinking it would go to the top of the square. All the forwards sort of led up, um, and then, yeah, the Crows defenders folded back. I think the guy on the mark had started cramping. I didn't really notice that at the time. Um, and then, yeah, once I got... Um, you're shortchanging me a bit, Joey. It was outside 50. Um, <laughs> I think keeps yeah, being added, so it's yeah. might have been 65, yeah. actually, by we, this we point. We saw something like that, yeah. Uh, in a, yeah, in a few years, it's going to be 70, and it was a tall, like, bloody. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, I thought, yeah, as I was approaching 50, every, yeah, I just wanted to go as long as I can and um, only saw the goals. Not much was sort of going through about, you know, getting nervous. It was sort of in the moment, in the play, and... Um, I've been kicking the ball pretty well uh, on Friday, so I just thought I'd have a crack and um, came off sweetly. Um, and as it was as it was going through, I thought that one of the Crows defenders was going to mark it on the line and I would have uh, cost us a game. But luckily, just had enough on it to get through and bounce in. Well, Noss, it was an absolutely incredible atmosphere on the ground on Friday night. And you mentioned before about the journey it's been for you. So maybe an opportunity to take the listeners back. The injury obviously happened... Um, late in 2020 and with the way that the season was structured it meant that it put your 2021 season a fair bit in jeopardy can you talk the listeners through um, what your involvement was in the, at the club in 2021 um, while you were recovering from your knee surgery yeah so I uh, did the ACL in um, September 2020 because of, uh, of COVID uh, here earlier in the year meant that 12 months and it was it was probably a bit worse than just a, a standard ACL so it was always going to take a bit longer than 12 months um, to get back playing, um, yeah, sort of knew pretty early. I was fighting to come back, but 
realistically it was going to be really, really tough to play. So I had a conversation with, with Twig early in the year um, about staying involved and um, the physios and um, other people in the club had said that it's really good to, to stay involved and not sort of separate myself from the group because in rehab, um, a lot of the sessions I was doing were by myself or I couldn't uh, do things with other players. I couldn't kick or run for quite a while. So um had a couple coaching roles. So um, at the start of the year, I was, I was on the bench with the headset to the um, coaching group upstairs and re- relaying messages to the runner and players, um, talking to the boys on the bench, which was really good. Um, and then that sort of flipped with Twig then coming to the bench and I became the forwards coach um, at senior level. So uh, helped out with, played a lot of footy as a forward um, throughout my career. So it was good to, and probably something we didn't really have um, a set forward coach for the whole year. So yeah, sort of stepped into that role uh, in the back half of 2021. I did notice that you timed it pretty well, that as soon as winter struck, you somehow found your way up into the coach's box. So I <laughs> thought it was pretty smart by you in the end. <laughs> Yeah, I've got to take all I can. It was uh, pretty cold last year. It's pretty cold at the moment as well. <laughs> hey, Noss, it was interesting last Friday night playing with a lot of guys that you, you actually hadn't played a lot of footy with. Guys like, you know, Jacob Kennelly and Benny Jarvis. These guys were coming up through the ranks when, when you were playing league footy, but now you're, you're on the same pitch as them. Was that something that it was you found you know exciting with all this vibrance and youth around you last Friday night? Yeah, absolutely. I think my first game in coming back in the reserves, I hadn't played with anyone at all. So it was 21 um, different players and I don't know how many I'd played with on Friday night, maybe five or so. So it's definitely been, um, yeah, like a breath of fresh air, having such a young group and getting to know these guys and and building relationships with them. Um, They'd probably never seen, well, some of them probably like... um, Kennels and Jarv might have seen me play, but a lot of the guys probably haven't seen me play because it's been two years. So, um, yeah, it was good to to get out with them and they were really excited for me, which was, um, yeah, really special as well, given that, um, yeah, hadn't been around playing-wise for, for quite a while. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was a special night. Nos, can we talk about the leadership side of things for you? Obviously, a, a club captain and a decision was made by the club to go with Matty Nunn as captain last year, which was more about as much about you not being available for the year um, as anything. Uh, how do you find your place in the leadership um, at the moment, uh, obviously, as an important, experienced voice in supporting guys like Matty Nunn and Jacob Kenley as they develop their leadership at the footy club? Yeah, I guess I have had that senior voice and and have been at the club for such a long time. I've, I've sort of been there at the highest of highs and then um, at low points as well when the clubs, I guess, sort of dipped and haven't made finals and um, sort of seen quite a bit happen, good and bad. So just trying to provide guidance to, yeah, Nani and um, Jayco, who I speak to a fair bit, but other guys have been around. Deck, Deck Hamilton, Mitch Wilkins um, have been at the club for, for a long time. And then Harry Boy, Nick Roker, who... Um, might have only been here for a few years. They're pretty passionate about the club and about um, making people better and the club better and driving really high standards, which is good. So I think we've got sort of a good mix of youth experience, um, guys bringing qualities in, in different areas. And um, yeah, I try and help the boys as much as I can off field, but probably on fields where I'm a, a stronger leader, I guess, Um gets a bit harder when you're older when you you know that you only have so much that you can do off field um to help where some of the 
young guys might have a little bit more time, a bit more energy to put into it. So um, just trying to strike that balance as well as you know, doing rehab and trying to get back and playing and then performing uh, at league level. Hey, Nos, obviously your, your role in the team, you, you've split your time a little bit between forward and midfield. After last week, is it simply just going up the twig and saying, I'll, I'll be doing whatever I want, thank you, Jade? Or <laughs> is, it, uh, is, there, is there a certain way he wants you to, to play at different stage? Because last, last week we saw you head into the uh, centre bounce in a little, bit in, uh, a little bit in the end, and obviously you got a free kick uh, and, and got, a, got a quick sharp handball to Declan Hamilton. We, we got a goal out of that. So just your role in the team, what it looks like. Uh, not sure I'll be saying that after one week of playing, <laughs> but um, oh, we, Twig and I have spoken a fair bit. He probably sees me a bit more as a forward um, and going into the midfield at times. And um, I guess I can call that when I want and uh, how the rotations are working with other players. But uh, yeah, I've probably I've been a midfield, more midfield with t- at times going forward. Um, so it'd be similar to what I've done in the past. It's just trying to build those connections with the players that I might swap with. In the past, it was maybe uh, Mitch Grigg or Cole Gerloff, Josh Glenn or someone like that, that we had, um, you know, sort of no timing and when they're on and how long they want to spend in the midfield and I go forward. So, um, yeah, I think I'll I'll do a little bit of midfield, but probably um, stay forward for longer periods, especially um, in the first few weeks as I'm coming back and sort of building up to playing at, the higher intensity. Nos, talk to us about life outside of your Norwood commitments. Obviously one of 12 currently listed players that were products of Ross Trevor, but uh, your work has taken you to another school um, at the moment, St. Ignatius. Talk us, through, talk us through your role there. Uh, yes, I've been the sports coordinator at St. Ignatius for the last three or four years. So I look after, at the senior school, um, which is at Athelson, so I look after all the co-curricular sports program so not quite the the PE teaching that I wanted to do when I was I was younger um but looking after yeah footy teams netball teams um draws we have carnivals with schools from interstate um run sports day swimming carnival all that sort of stuff so yeah it's it's a really good role I enjoy the time with the kids it's um probably 50-50 between getting out there with the kids um at training and games and uh admin sort of work we've got um yeah it's a, it's a really nice community here and um really enjoyed the last three or four years although i'm a very proud ross trevor old scholar well i'm sure the <laughs> uh sure the kids at st ignatius are looking forward to reenacting your match winning goal a lot over the next four or five years <laughs> i was so. gonna say i was gonna say nos have you, have you modeled your teaching uh teaching ways like the great glenn urbani from ross trevor oh absolutely the guru, <laughs> the guru uh, big himself. shout out to glenn <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, everything I learned was from the guru. That's right. Good stuff. Well, Nos, it was obviously a great privilege to see you back out there. Um, for those of us that have been seeing you up close and know what you've been through over the last couple of years, really, to get back and play at this level and um, such a much-loved figure inside our club and both and by our fans as well. So thank you for joining us tonight and it was great to see you back on the field. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Joe. Matt Panos there. Great to have him as part of the show tonight and great to have him back on the field, Joe. Oh, yeah, no, he's a, he's a super talent and he just shows his class every time he, you know, he enters the field. He's got that ability to pick out players and, and, you know, just have that ability to read the game and kick accurately and do all the right things, which always helps. And last week we came to fruition and a, a very good win in the end against a, a pretty good team in the Crows. 
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.